Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. And just like that, the very long and sometimes painful NASCAR offseason is about to come to a close. I'm Brandon Monroe, and alongside me tonight is Jeremy Miller. Uh, very nice to have somebody else alongside me, unlike the last episode that uh, I ended up doing a couple months back after Phoenix. Uh, how's it going tonight, man? Uh, pretty good. We're getting pretty close to that clash. Uh, anticip- anticipation's just building. I know. It's uh, it's fun. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of news stuff to uh, drop over the last couple of days. Uh Let's just take it from the top here. Uh, lead us off. What has gotten your attention over the last couple of days with all the uh, news that we've seen uh, come out? Uh, I mean, I think some of the most exciting news, while it only affects a handful of races on the schedule, is that we're no longer going to have stage yellows for the uh, Cup Road Course races. Uh, standalone events are sadly still going to have them for the Xfinity and Truck Series, but I think that's definitely a good step in the right direction for the sport as a whole. I mean, I, I definitely like that change. Um, I think we know the reason why, really, uh, that we're going to be having the, the stage break still for the Truck and Xfinity standalone races. And that just has to do with the pit rules they have there and you know, the lack of the pit, the uh, cut pit crews. So I understand. I'm going to take it, uh, you know, as a, a win. Just being able to get back to some old fashioned drop of the green, go to the checkered. Nothing scheduled. I know stages have always been something a lot of people have kind of bounced back and forth on, whether they like it or not. I think most of us could agree. The road courses have been a bit of a drag. A lot of strategy has gone out the window because of those fixed yellows. And I really like, you know, that they are going to be going back to uh, how it used to be. And it's definitely going to change how these races are, you know, how these teams are going about strategizing for them. And I welcome the change. I think that's a good one. I know a lot of rule changes, too, um, outside of that. One that caught my, my eye was probably the repair clock. You know, they made that change last year during the playoffs, going up to 10 minutes. It was at 6. Now we're at 7. I just don't feel like that's long enough. I feel like, you know, you saw Chase at uh, Phoenix when they had to get the toe link after he got in that incident with Ross Chastain. And if you had a shorter clock, they probably don't get back out there. Granted, the car was pretty much uncompetitive. You had a couple laps where it was fun seeing, oh, is he going to go after Ross Chastain or not? But I kind of feel like seven isn't enough. I I feel like they should have left it at ten. Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, I've been rewatching the uh, 2011 Cup season, getting myself a little hyped up for uh, this upcoming season. And there we go. That's the content I'm here for. How's that going for you? <laughs> yeah, just something nice about seeing a car out there 100 laps down. And I, I miss that. And, you know, <laughs> no I, nose, radiator showing. Perspective, but like at the same time, with all the parts being spec now and stuff, I think it's easier for NASCAR to monitor how those teams will be repairing those cars, and I don't see why they can't do that again. I definitely just like from the old, you know, the old feels like when you're going back and watching those races, I definitely like seeing those cars out there. It's kind of funny when you see about half a race car still racking up laps on the track, uh, trying to go after every point possible. So I'm with you on that. That'd be cool to see that back out there. I don't think we're ever going to get back to that. But, you know, I wish I just wish it was longer. I, I'm with you. There's there's something funny about seeing those old cars out there, just riding around. You know, it must be like I bet the drivers don't mind it because I know there's nothing worse than when you get in a wreck on like lap twelve in a race, and you spend an hour back in the garage and you get back out there, and if it's a short track like you know Bristol or Martinsville, you still got two hundred, two hundred fifty laps left by the time you get back out there, and that must suck. <laughs> but it does add for a little bit of entertainment from our, uh, you know, for our sake. But yeah, hey. that does have to be very frustrating as a driver at those like tracks that don't have a way out of the racetrack, other van through the gates and the outside wall. I mean, you just gotta sit there in the infield and suck it up for the oh. next three hours of your life. Just oh, I I would hate to be it. on a team at like Martinsville because you're not getting out. <laughs> like, yeah. At least you have the hot dog stand there. You know, you could see how many hot dogs you could eat throughout the rest of the race, I guess, but. Yeah, just sitting there waiting's bad. I remember there was a race. I want to say it was the California race at Auto Club back in like 08. 
the one where Casey Mears ended up on his lid. But I remember Junior got in that wreck and they ripped the whole door off the car, but it was it was just the door. The rest of the car was fine and they got the car fixed and he went back out there between Sunday and Monday with all the rain and the weepers they had and if I remember right, he talked about how that just sucked where you have a car capable of running decent lap times, but you're 20, 30, 40 laps down and it's kind of just a test session at that point. So yep. the frustration there, uh, I definitely get it. Um, taking a look at some other stuff, uh, driver news today. I know a lot of driver changes in the off season. I'm sure we're going to touch on more of those here in a second, but the big one everybody's talking about is Joe Graff Jr. <laughs> uh, he's going to be running five Xfinity races for Joe Gibbs Racing this year. And, yeah, that's, uh, I think, coming as a surprise to a lot of people. But given who the driver is, there's there's a lot of talk over this move here in the garage right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we already had this conversation amongst ourselves a little earlier today. You know how I feel about it. I I just I think he sucks. Um, not a great race car driver, but I think people are overreacting. I this is NASCAR. It's been happening forever. It's a driver with a paycheck. It kind of just is what it is at this point. And that's that's why you want these teams, or why the teams want to go after more money here with the upcoming TV contract coming down. It's to avoid situations like this, where you have a driver that probably doesn't meet the skill set that the ride that he's going to be going into uh, is, is worth. So, yeah, that's I, uh, it's it's unfortunate. It's good to see the car out there on the track still, but you wish they could find a way to get somebody that is better in that ride, even if it is only for five races. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, it's gonna happen every year, even once those new contracts come in. It's just the the structure of the sport. I mean, even if teams are making more money, they're still gonna take a guy with a bigger check, in my opinion. And it's just more overhead for them. It, it... it depends. I mean, by the sound of it, there are some teams that are really trying to push that. Hey, if we get more money, we could focus more on talent. You don't have these issues. Only time will tell. If I had to, you know, make a guess right now on it, I would say they're probably going to meet somewhere in the middle. I know they were talking about, you know, somewhere around like 18 million per team. Essentially, that's what they want throughout the course of the year, which is quite a bit more than what they're getting. Like I said, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, you know, negotiations like that. NASCAR doesn't want to give everything up and the teams are going to try to get everything that they can. And I think eventually they'll they'll come to an agreement on that. And hopefully the TV contract uh, will allow them to get a bigger piece of the pie there. And, you know, it's uh, we're probably only a few, maybe not a few months away, but probably by the fall, we'll know what direction everything's going on that one. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I mean, obviously, we saw if NASCAR was not very happy with the teams for leaking all that information that they were unhappy and all that. But I think it was probably a smart, calculated move on the team's part. I don't think they do that if they don't think it's going to help them in negotiations. So mm-hmm. there's definitely probably a reason behind that. I think uh, ever since Denny entered the ownership spectrum, we've seen a lot more of that type of stuff happening. I think, you know, Denny was always one of the prominent voices on the driver's council. So he's probably been one of the. Uh, prominent voices over Neil and a lot as well. Yeah, I think that is one good thing about Denny Hamlin. He is not afraid to voice his opinion, let it be known how he feels. And I think he's going to be a very valuable asset for them in terms of these negotiations. I I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to back down. And when push comes to shove, I think he's going to definitely help them out when those teams are going after the, the larger amount of money there. Uh, keeping up with driver changes and driver announcements, this was obviously something that was announced quite a while ago, but I think it is pretty noteworthy, and that's Kevin Harvick, as we all know, going to be driving one final season here in the Cup Series for Stuart Haas. That was announced probably a couple weeks ago at this point, and I think a lot of us thought that was coming just based on his contract and how he's talked about it. 
But Stuart Haas, now you're you're a Tony guy, you're a Stuart Haas fan. So let's let's hear it from you. How do you feel about this? What do you want them to do to keep the organization going in the right direction? Because when you lose somebody like Kevin Harvick, you know, you've seen it with a lot of these big teams, like say when Jimmy and Jeff and you know, those guys were retiring from Hendrick, you, you lose that kind of leader, that person to point you in the right direction. Stuart Haas right now, they have some guys. I think we all like Chase Briscoe. He had a solid year last year. Ryan Priest is definitely somebody that potentially could make some noise this year. But without having that lead driver, how do you think that team is going to move forward into this last year with Harvick and into the future? So... This is going to be a little bit of a long-winded one, but it's it's calculated. So, obviously, they knew Harvick was retiring well before we did. It explains the Priest move a lot. You give Custer another year in Xfinity, try to get him his confidence back. Pretty clear plan. Custer back to the Cup Series after this year when Harvick's gone. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but I think it's the plan in place. Uh, from the perspective of losing a leader like Harvick... SHR has a more unique situation than a typical team when it comes to that aspect in the fact that their main active owner in terms of in the garage area talking to the drivers is a former driver and a Hall of Fame driver at that versus, say, a Hendrick Motorsports where it's just a you know a businessman. So losing that leader I don't think is going to have the same negative effect it would on your typical team in the garage. Obviously, it's still going to hurt because you don't have him in the car feeling the car. He's a guy who's got a lot of experience with how a car needs to feel, what he wants out of the car for pace, but you're not. You're also gaining Priest, and Priest is a guy that's driven everything and everything NASCAR, and definitely has a lot more experience in terms of how much he races, with how many modified races he's done, all the time he's spent in upper-bodied stuff as well. So I think that's going to be a pretty invaluable addition to SHR, and I think that might have been where they were thinking of Priest here, more so than just, he's a good driver, is give him a year of Harvick, let him learn off Harvick, and then try to let him be that guy when it comes to what is the car doing on the track. I mean, Harvick, definitely a fan of Priest. You know, he has a pretty good connection there with his, uh, you know, his management stuff, and a lot of Harvick sponsors have jumped on Priest's vehicles over the last year or so. I'm really interested to see what he could do. I think, like I said, you know, it's a good hire. Is he going to be Kevin Harvick? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think there's maybe only a handful of drivers that you could drop in that, you know, the four car next year and could do anything close to what Harvick's done over his career and what he's done at Stuart Haas. Ryan Priest, to me, like, he needs to go in there. He just needs to have a solid year. Definitely has to outperform Eric Amarola. I think that's a must. I think he will. Uh, where I was going with that more so is that he's built out of the same mold as Kevin Harvick. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the performance or how he's going to run. It, it's more so like what he's going to do for the team from the, like the leadership side of racing. I mean, he mm-hmm. I, I he may seem like a younger guy to like the casual viewer, but he's a guy that's been around motorsports longer than all the other you know guys in the SHR pipeline right now, other than Eric Amarola, who's there in SHR. But Amarola is what he is. I mean, he's He's a guy with sponsors that drives race cars. Yeah, I mean, uh, he I does an okay job. Up. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's much more than that. And I don't think mm. anybody would try to tell you he is much more than that. Priest can be more than that. And I think he's there for that more than anything. Definitely a good building block for the future. And I could see him having that kind of leadership mentality. Because again, you know, Amarola, he's solid. You know, He'll get you in the top 20 in points. And he'll have you sniffing around a playoff spot. And... Chase Briscoe, a little bit older than I think people think. Kind of, kind of like Priest. I think a lot of people think Chase Briscoe is like in his early twenties, but he's he's older. He has experience, but again, he's probably not there yet to take on that you know number one leader type role. I know the free agent market is going to be huge this year yet again. I don't know if we're going to have any shocking moves like Kyle Busch going to RCR or Tyler Reddick leaving RCR to go to 23-11. But I think Stuart Haas, even if they think Priest could be a leader and they might have the number one guy of the future for that team in Briscoe there in terms of talent, who also did uh, lock um, get locked up with a contract extension too not that long ago. So they're they're definitely know what they're doing with him. 
I'd like to see them go after somebody when it comes to, you know, a free agent signing this year. I just, I don't know where that's going to come from. You do have some big names on the market. Uh, A couple of those guys could be at the end of their careers, possibly retiring. But, you know, if they found a way just to get that real veteran leader, like uh, Martin Truex Jr., for example, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Truex might be on his way out just like Harvick. I think he did make a statement not too long ago that he won't have a decision until the fall, possibly. Although I think a lot of us do feel like he's going to retire, but he's got the Bass Pro Shop sponsorship. They've been with Tony before. That's somebody where maybe you want to stretch it out and give yourself another year or two to find a long-term solution there. See if Priest or Briscoe could handle the load. Maybe somebody like a Martin Truex Jr. is someone you go after. I know Eric Amarola possibly could be hanging it up after this year. He already postponed his retirement once. So if you do want to move Cole Custer back up, there could be two spots available there. And I think trying to maybe go get a veteran guy like a Truex, for example, again, don't think it's likely, but somebody to that level, if they become available, that's probably who they want. And then maybe you put Custer in. I think a lot of us are expecting him to have a really good season in the Xfinity series. I know there's been a lot of turnover there in terms of drivers and stuff, but it it does kind of feel like right now you have Junior Motorsports, if they could keep on doing what they did last year, and Cole Custer, those guys might be the heavy favorites for that series. And, you know, I think a lot of us expect Cole to go out there and reestablish himself as a good young driver and wouldn't shock me if he's back in the cup series not long after this season there is an x factor in this we haven't said his name riley herbst yeah riley herbst I, is an interesting one there he, he got better all year last year i think it, we we pretty well documented that ourselves it was well documented outside of here he got really better and better every week actually showed development that's the biggest thing these drivers is showing development because a lot of these guys won't show development. They'll hit their flat line, and they just can't seem to get better. Obviously, the next step for Herbst is he needs to win some races. I think having Custer with him this year, an actual competent teammate, is going to help the overall program. I think that helps us see Herbst get in victory lane. And if we can somehow see Herbst not even outperform Custer, but perform on the same level as Custer, Herbst has a paycheck. Well, if, that, he, if he performs on the same level as Custer, then Stuart Haas might get like 20 Xfinity wins this that, year. Yeah, that too. <laughs> if, if we can see that level of a step from Herbst, I think he answers his name into this conversation just simply on the fact that he has sponsorship. He's showing an ability to drive the car and keep it clean because that's been the biggest thing with him is he's wrecked so many cars and he kind of stopped that last year. And I, I think it at least has to be something that you know, from a business perspective, like we talk about the graph, you know, money talks and you, you, you need to look at that as a possibility, especially if Almirola is leaving. I don't know if Riley has the money for a cup ride like that, but if he does, and this is crazy to say, if you told me I'd be saying this a couple years ago, I'd, I'd say I'm insane. But I think you're right with his ability to keep the car clean. And, you know, it has been announced he is going to be doing some cup races for Rick, Rick Ware Racing this year. Uh, I believe they're going to all be the plate tracks, but still, that, that gets you in the seat. Which is the new SHR sponsorship. <laughs> they're instantly throwing on Herps in the cup car. So, I mean, that's a, that's a positive sign for Herps as well, but the new sponsor wants to kind of tie their tails down a little. But if he if he could just keep running clean and, you know, if he gets a couple wins under his belt this year, which I don't know if you've seen the Xfinity series this year, it looks like they have 29 full time drivers right now in that series. Obviously, equipment can vary and Herbst is in some good stuff, but it's it's a pretty deep field this year in terms of full time drivers. It's not going to be easy. If he if he could go out there and he gets one or two wins, I mean that's that's taking another step. You know, maybe he doesn't jump to the Cup Series next year, but if Custer goes out there and wins ten races, like some people think he might, that could open the door for a even bigger season. Comes maybe twenty twenty four for Riley Herbst. And you saw it with Chase Briscoe. He went won a race. You know, his part time season won another race. His first full time season. The next year, the 2020 season, he won, what, like eight, nine races? So if Riley can continue to show that he's improving, I don't think you could 100% rule that out. Um, and there are a lot of you know new faces in the Xfinity series this year. 
Um, some guys just moving around, but you know, you have like the Chandler Smiths of the world. John Hunter Nemechek's back full time. Sammy Smith, who had some good runs uh, with a JGR at the end of the year last year. So it's very interesting. I don't think the Xfinity series has been this interesting in a long time. It it has almost like a 90s, early 2000s feel to it right now with the field that we're going to be having. I would say the one drawback to that is what's making it interesting is the lack of top-heavy talent. Which, I mean, I, I'd almost say that can be looked at as a negative aspect. Because I don't well, think... Let's we're let's not... shift gears here a little bit then. So when when you say the not heavy talent, like not top heavy talent, like right now, who do you think outside of Cole Custer? Because I I think Cole Custer's everybody's favorite this year. But like, who's who's the number two for you right now in the Xfinity series? I mean, it's tough to pick just one of those, you know, junior motorsports guys. But like, you have to look at like an All Guy or a Josh Berry, and it. I, I mean, I guess some of the good cars as well, but it's it's not. It's not the same. Like, you don't have your really obvious cup prospect right there, right now, like you had had for years with Briscoe, Sindrick, uh, at the time, Custer, uh, Bell. You know, right. It's just, right. It, yeah. It, it's missing that. Uh, it, like, I don't, I don't look at any of these guys, and maybe it's just, maybe it's me, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't look at many of these guys and like scream cup talent like Sam Mayer was disappointing last year. Uh he he's going to definitely have to take a step this year to kind of try to turn that around. Uh Sheldon Creed has been once again uh, it was a pretty disappointing season. He uh, did turn it around I feel like the last the like 10 year. races. They they seemed like he was getting it together. It was just a little too late to make a playoff run. We'll we'll see how Brandon Jones does. I mean, but we all kind of know what Brandon Jones is. Back to the buy ride drivers, just kind of you know one of those guys. It's there. Uh, obviously, AJ Allmendinger's in the Cup Series now, so we have Smith in the 16, right? Yeah. So Taylor Smith coming up yeah. in the 16, Hamrick in the 11. I don't expect him to be much better than he was last year. Uh, I think he should just hang his hat on the fact he won a race and it happened to be the championship race. And you know that's that's his career. Uh, there's, I mean, like you said, JHN. I, I guess JHN would have to be that guy that, like, you kind of look at as a potent cup talent. But again, he's, he's already been in, in the cup series. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he's up there in age. He's not like these young guys that are really good. Uh, if you ask Richard Childress, Austin Hill's the second coming of Dale Earnhardt, but <laughs> I don't know how many other people out there really feel that way about him. I'd, and, I'd feel like, maybe at the plate tracks, and that's about it. <laughs> right. But, yeah. <laughs> So and and that's where it starts to get a little bit. That's why it's a little foggy right now. I mean, um, there, I'm. I'd almost wouldn't be surprised to see some of those smaller teams, not the really small teams, but like the smaller ish teams, like the forty eight car, for example, with Parker Clegerman this year have some bigger years than maybe we expected. <laughs> that wouldn't shock me. I mean, with all the road courses that we have in the Xfinity series now. Obviously, AJ's gone. It wouldn't shock me if he showed up to do a couple of the companion ones, but that still leaves you two with Portland and Road America, where you know you saw what Kligerman did at Mid Ohio last year in that truck race. So would it shock you if? Yeah, it would shock you if he went out there and won one or both of those road courses. No, I mean that's that's a big deal. That could definitely shake stuff up. You know, in terms of prospects and stuff like that you know parker obviously not that we know what parker clickerman is and it's great that somebody's you know been able to work something out to give him this opportunity i remember last year i was just hoping he was gonna end up in the 75 truck full time i wanted to see those guys run for a championship because he was good enough where he could have probably done it this is better than that so we also have Kaz uh, driving the Sam Hunt car this year. I mean, we've, we've seen mm-hmm. Sam Hunt have good runs in the past, so maybe Kaz can put together a good year. It's, I think there's going to be more of a fight for that back half of the playoff field than there has been in years past, because I think there's going to be less top-end guys really holding up those spots. I will say, I think if there's somebody new that could possibly be that next hot prospect, I think I'm going to go with Chandler Smith. He showed a lot of speed in the truck series last year. I think there were times near the end of the regular season and in the playoffs where it felt like he was the best driver in that series. 
So him moving to Colleg, I'm very interested to see how that shakes out because outside of AJ last year, they weren't that good. He carried that team, and I think that speaks to how good AJ Allmendinger is in NASCAR now. But if Chandler Smith, you know, if he looks like the guy he did in the second half of the season, you know, in the truck series last year, that that, that could be your new hot young prospect that, you know, could turn some people's heads. I'm I'm very interested to see how that goes for him. Uh, Sam Mayer and Sheldon Creed, obviously, they were there last year, so they don't fall into that category. But those are two guys where maybe maybe they take that next step. And maybe they start developing into what a lot of people thought they were, you know, a year or so ago. You look at Sam Mayer, he has a truck win at Bristol. He showed a lot of speed last year. He just couldn't put it all together. And, you know, really, Sheldon Creed's the same way. Obviously a truck series champion. First, probably two-thirds of the year last year was just awful. But, you know, right before the playoffs, you saw him really start to turn it around. Almost won Darlington. Had a couple of good runs in the playoffs as well. Just things didn't go his way. And I think that's somebody who, if he could just get off to a good start this year, I think that could just snowball into a good season. If, if he starts having trouble again out of the gate, ah, man, I'm going to feel bad for him because you know the speed's there. But for whatever reason, just everything that could go wrong did go wrong for him last year. Yeah, and I mean, that's just... Part of the sport it happens to a lot of guys. And yeah. I mean, I am a believer and you make your own luck. So, I mean, there's definitely a part of that where it's like, what could they do differently? But yeah, it's just, it'll be an interesting season in those in truck series too. Just those lower series. I feel like they're going to look a little different than they have the past few years to the average eye. I am glad you brought up the truck series. I don't have the list of full-time drivers in front of me right now, but there were some big changes there. Uh, Zane Smith, not one of them. He's sticking around, and I think that's going to be fun to see if he could go for another championship in the truck series. The Craftsman truck series, too. I'm, I'm liking that they brought that back. That's uh, just worked out that way. You know, obviously, NASCAR didn't plan to have Craftsman come back like that, but talk about nostalgia. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, but in terms of you know big moves, I think the one everybody did talk about with the trucks would have to be Haley Deegan going to Thor Sport and in the process Thor Sport switching back over to Ford. Yep. A few manufacturer changes this year actually and we have KBM going to Chevy as well. That's and, true and, too. Of uh, course their their driver lineup is a bit yep. underwhelming. <laughs> and uh Tricon Garage, formerly the Gillen team, has moved to Toyota. So mm-hmm. got kind of like all three of us just kind of did a little uh, dance there and moved around the manufacturers. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think the team right now, in terms of those manufacturer changes that you expect to perform the best, is the the Tricon team. Obviously, you have the Gray Brothers there, but Corey Heim being in one of those trucks, uh, that's going to be a big deal. That's somebody who won a couple races last year, showed a lot of speed pretty much every time he was in the truck. You, You saw he had some, you know, issues when it came to dealing with adversity. I think it was the Kansas truck race earlier in the year. Things did not go right for him, and it fell apart fast, and you could tell. But that's, you know, as I'd say expected sometimes when it comes to young drivers. But, you know, in terms of, you know, hey, we didn't have it in the Xfinity series, I think Heim's that, like, really number one prospect in the trucks. And if you think that team is going to be KBM, that's probably the guy I'm looking at right now is like an early I'll, I'll 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 say it probably an early championship favorite in the truck series. Yeah, it's just so hard to read it, because of all the changes being made. I mean I I don't know, like I mean obviously it's going to be a big year for a lot of people, Deegan especially because her her future is important beyond just herself to the sport. I mean, obviously, NASCAR wants to see her do well. I mean, that's pretty clear when it comes to a polarizing figure like her. But, you know, in terms of favorites for the season, like, I don't know. Am I crazy to, like, say that a guy like Roger Karouf could make some noise this year? I mean, decent equipment there. Uh, I mean, 
shown a lot of promise, so it'd be fun to watch him. Uh, I mean, Zane Smith's obviously the favorite going into the year, but it's just, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I I definitely agree with that. You have a lot of storylines there. I know Raja being in the Cup Series, and I know Nick Sanchez also, and that's kind of going to be like a a KBM truck, if I remember correctly. Or was that yes, the GMS right. ride? Oh yeah, uh, it was the yeah, okay. yes. All right, yeah, the KBM stuff. So that that's going to be a solid ride, and I know, like you said, with Raja, uh, him being with what is, is that just GMS now? I know. Yeah, Talk about name changes. Full time GMS ride. Well, I didn't know if they changed it to whatever the the Cup team. No, no. Yeah, no, it's still just GMS, right? So it's still still its own thing there, but. We know they're capable of contending for race wins and championships. I'd say right now on Raja, I'm going to go with a no. And that's just because he's so raw. Like, I think that's somebody who needs time to develop some more. And obviously having a full-time ride, and I believe he's going to be doing some part-time Xfinity races still, too. That's definitely going to help him out. I'm probably like a year or two out on him really becoming a contender. Maybe he'll show some flashes this year, but he's he's going to need time. I, I definitely think he's going to need some time to develop, and that's definitely not a bad thing. I think Sheldon Creed, I'm pretty sure, went winless his first season in the Truck Series, and he won the championship his second year. Yeah. So I, he's got time. Raja has time, and I'm not going to be too worried if he misses the playoffs, which, you know, less races, less opportunities, less spots in general, It's it's... It'd be pretty hard for the you know someone to make it in the truck series just because of that. So just go out there, have good runs, run laps, you know, run as much as you can so you can continue to develop and we'll see we'll see where we are at the end of the season. Yeah, it's just gonna be well, you know, it, it's so hard with these kids. I mean you, you just you don't know. You never do. I mean, the guys can look like the best of the best and then fizzle out pretty quickly. And then you have every once in a while the guy that, you know, for years and years ran pretty mediocre and they just kind of figure it out slowly and slowly and eventually become a superstar in the sport. So, uh, I mean, I think, I mean, it's so much different than it was even 10 years ago now, but I think reading prospects is probably more difficult than it's ever been. I'd say yes, because like if you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, obviously like social media and stuff wasn't to where it is today, but you'd be able to keep track of these kids from at least the, at the time, K&N East and West series. Might have been Camping World East and West series that far ago, but you get it. Point, point still stands. Nowadays, just with how talent comes about, when they're in the truck series, it almost feels like they just showed up in ARCA for like a year. It's somebody with a paycheck most of the time. And it's just harder. You, you, you don't see them as much. That's, that's really the best way to put it. You don't see them as much. Now, maybe that's going to change. I know with you know Dale Jr., Kevin Harvick, Justin Marks, all those other guys that bought into the Cars Tour, I think you're going to start seeing that potentially play a bigger role. Um, I had to guess it's a lot cheaper to run late models than it is those, you know, spec market East and West cars now. So that's going to be cool. I think being able to pay attention to that series more, cause you know, you're, you're going to get a lot more information on it. It's going to be out there a lot more. I'm sure junior and those guys are going to market the hell out of it. You're going to probably be able to see some people come up through the ranks through there. I mean, you saw it a little bit over the last couple of years with guys like Carson Quaffle and, Lane Riggs, who, man, I, I hope things work out for them. I know, I don't think anything's set in stone. They want to run Lane full-time in the truck series um, with Stuart Friesen this year. Don't know if that's going to happen. We are getting close to Daytona, so we'll find out pretty shortly, probably. But him and Quaffle are two guys that are young, and you've seen them run those types of cars, and you know, you've seen Lane in the truck series. He's looked pretty fast in some of those appearances he had last year. I want to see more of that. And I think if you could get something like that going a lot more and maybe try to build up Arca, you know, a little bit to maybe what it was before and you get these guys out there and you could get more tape on them, it it could be easier to project, but I'm with you. It's it's a lot harder now than it was before and 
I had a pretty good track record when it came to picking guys up, but you know, we still miss then. And I'm sure we're probably going to miss some people still today, but all I got to say about that is I I thought Dylan Kwasniewski was going to be great, and that uh, that blew up in my face. Biggest biggest miss when it comes to projecting prospects by far. That's a, that's a rough one. He He never really got a fair shake. He had that one year, and then you know the sponsors left, and that was that was it. That was rough. Could have would have been cool to see how that could have gone if it went differently, but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to to see what these guys are going to do. But the, that is also what makes watching you know week in and week out pretty fun. Well, and, I, and a lot of people, this may sound almost stupid too if they don't you know know the in and outs of the sport as well as somebody that you know, watches it as much as, say, we do, possibly, but I, I'm more high on a kid coming out of the Cars Tour than the Arc Series. I'm I'm with you on that I, right I, now. I'm significantly more high on a kid coming out of the Cars Tour like, series to the Arc Series, actually. I, I don't think it's close. And a lot of people probably, I, well, not even probably, I've seen it on social media, they take offense to it for some reason. I don't quite understand why somebody gets would get bent out of shape over something as simple as that type of a take, but the the level of competition in the car series is higher because you have a lot of these guys that have been short track racing their entire lives or some of the best short track racers in the world versus the Arca series. It's really just a bunch of kids and a lot of them aren't that good. I feel like a lot of people are stuck in the past and they think Arca is what it was 20 years ago and it's just not. And that's, that might be why they have those. I maybe agree with you if it wasn't a fact that they feel the same way about the Arca East drivers and West drivers and more so the East drivers. I can't believe the amount of people that think an Arca East driver is going to be the next big thing because they ran good in Arca East. And it's like, that's one of the weakest national, I can't even call it a national touring series because it's an East. Regional, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it is one of the weakest series in terms of like that respect I think there is right now that has like national attention. I, uh, when's the last time that we saw like a true Arca East driver develop into something? I, uh... Like honestly, it's funny because like obviously you have guys like Ben Rhodes and William Byron who, at this point, that's probably close to ten years ago. But they they went up through that ladder and they won championships. But even then, the the fields were they definitely were doing better stuff as well. Right? They weren't. Well, yeah, no, that's East. that's what I was Why gonna say. People, like they just race Arca East. Like, yeah, that's the only they were, they're racing. That's, that's what it seems like anyways, and that, that could go back to just not having, being able to monitor these guys like we used to. And, you know, it does seem like it's harder, but it could very well just be that they show up and here's your Arca ride, go go have fun, and you, you don't know anything they've done beforehand. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm over harsh of the series, but... When I see someone win an Arctic East race, it doesn't scream future cup star to me. Yeah, and I mean, when you go back and you, you look at the list of champions, it, it is funny. So, some of these guys, looking at this list, it, it kind of goes against what we just said. But, you know, going back, last two years, Sammy Smith, he won in to uh, 2021 and 2022. Uh, Sam Mayer won in 19 and 20. Ankrum, 18. Harrison Burton, 17. Justin Haley, 16. Then it's William Byron in 2015. Ben Rhodes in 2014. I think, though, just looking at who they're going up against, it's like you have that one guy that's probably really good that's running full-time. Like, Mayer at that time was... He really was setting the world on fire. It was like him and Ty Gibbs... And Sammy Smith has had a good couple of years. But you go and look at the people who finished behind them, or even even just the people that ran the whole season. Like, it's not that deep. Um, I guess after Taylor Gray in the East Series this year, we have guys like Leland Honeyman, uh, Stephanie Moyer, who only had one top ten, uh, Journeyman, ARCA driver, because they have combined races with National Series now. Brad Smith finished fifth in points with no top 10. So I think that's more the problem is that you have guys that like one or two are going to run full time. Everyone else, it's kind of a mixed bag. They'll run a couple races and that's it. 
and it's it's just not deep. Uh, the I'm with you. The talent is definitely not there compared to you know ten years ago. Like if you go and give me give me a second here because I do want to see this in in 2013. Who do you think was running at that time? It would have been the K and E series. Who who do you think in like 2013 was in there running? 2013. Let's see. Oh boy. I mean, it's it it's tougher with the E series, right? Because it's not you know. I, I will say at, West. at that time. In 2013, yeah, no. So, like, if you go back, that was really. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I know Klasneski was there, obviously. Who were just yeah, love, but like, so, like, quick, quick history, that, right? Yeah, like, quick, quick, like history lesson on it. Like, I, I, if I had to describe it for anybody that's new and listening, like, when the E series started, you know, it was it was regional guys, and that was kind of like, you know, that was the big thing for them. I think it it gets lost. Like if you go back earlier in NASCAR's history, like the cup series wasn't the end all be all like, yes, it was the top series, but you'd have guys that like their focus was, Hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the best regional driver ever. And you know, in the mid two thousands, that started to change late two thousands, early 2010s. That's when you saw a lot of cup teams start getting involved and that kind of priced out those, you know, independent regional guys like the, Andy Santer's of the world for anybody that are, you know, familiar with nineties, two thousands, you know, regional racing like that. But in 2013, just to go through some of the people that are on here, I'll, I'll go through the top 10. So I know you said Dylan Kwasniewski, any other guesses who might've been racing here at this time? You know what? I do know Suarez was there. Uh, Daniel Suarez was there. He ran the full season, won a race. Um, I would guess maybe a guy like Galding with his little Krispy Kreme car was out there racing. Gray Gray Galding was there. He finished seventh in points. But beyond that, like I'm sure there's names there, but I'm just not like remembering that they so, were racing at the time. So some before. some big names outside of that. We have NASCAR Truck Series champion Brett Moffitt. Okay. Um we have I don't know what his role is off the top of my head with NASCAR right now, but we had Ben Kennedy. He was racing, and I, I gotta say, Ben Kennedy, if he wanted to continue racing, he was he was good enough. Like not maybe not to be a Cup guy, but that could have been a solid career Xfinity Truck Series driver. Interesting career choice. You know, I don't I don't necessarily think it was a bad choice either. It's just you know, not oh, with, you see every day. I think he's doing a good job with the sport right now. But if he wanted to keep racing longer, he he could have, and it wouldn't just be because of who he is and. Who his you know family is like I I think he was actually decent for what he was racing in. Um, next up we have a fifth in points, Eddie McDonald. That's one of those you know regional guys that if you're from the New England area, you know Eddie Mac, great driver. Uh, run into him a couple times at the track. You know, good guy to talk to. Just nice all around person. Uh, sixth place. I I like this one right here. Uh, it's. Mrs. Daniel Hemrick. <laughs> Kenzie time, Rustin, or yes, yes. <laughs> Kenzie Rustin now, obviously married to Daniel Hemrick. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I just didn't think of it. <laughs> and she, she was good, man. Like, oh, you know what? That, was Custer racing that year, too. Cole Custer was racing, too, that year. He won two he races won that race. year. He, he won a couple races that year. He looks like he won two races. Points. That's interesting. Oh, I mean that that shows. I mean, at that point, that kid he he was just a kid. He's probably yeah, like but fifteen. Also shows series is definitely stronger. Right? Yeah, no, it's definitely stronger. Uh, Jesse Little, another another driver who recently retired. Actually, he finished ninth like in points. Guy, yeah, so but that but that's the thing. Like when when I go and look at these names, they were names then, and obviously some people have done a lot better than others. But you can't tell me that field is better than what we have now. I, I like, I'm going further down the list. Cale Connolly's on here. Uh, pretty good dirt racer, obviously. Didn't pan out in the stock cars, but he ran all the races that year. Matt Tift, another one. You know, he was a, a good little driver there, and obviously he's had some setbacks that have taken him out of the driving, driver's seat, but he's still involved in the sport. It's just, just a lot of people. Uh, Brandon Jones ran six races. He only had two top tens. So the strength of the field, you know, back then, it's just 
there were names. And, like, you think that is good, like, the amount of people that we have in here. You go back to, like, 2012, you have Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney. Like, those were the guys racing in the series then. So it has unfortunately changed for the worse, I would say, at least in terms of the people coming up through that uh, that ladder system there. Yeah, I definitely uh, don't think we have any names close to that level of talent right now in, no. in those series. <laughs> no, so I, I'm with you. I think you go and look at the Ars Tour. You have a group of young drivers and a group of short track veterans, and you have your cool every once in a while appearance by Dale Earnhardt Jr. now, which <gasps> I know he's already announced a few more races that he's doing in those cars, but that's the thing. Like it, I think it's a better measuring stick, a series like that right now, where you they're, they're, they are racers. They're not some 15-year-old kid that has a large check from their CEO parents or whatnot. Like, you're going to get a better show and a better idea of who these good prospects are from something like that compared to what the now ARCA East and West series has become. Hopefully, moving forward, it'll it'll get back to what it used to be. Kind of like we're getting back ready to go racing with the Clash. Let's touch up on that here before we, we hop off. Obviously, a little short track in the football stadium. That's what it is. Good show last year. Very entertaining. But can you really take anything from what happened in that race a year ago and apply it to this weekend? And who do you think is going to be out there and be the favorite? Well, I mean, if history repeats itself, the winner of the race is going to win the championship this year. So it'll definitely be something to watch for. But, uh, you know, uh, Logano had a lot of firsts last year when it comes to the next-gen car and being the first to do stuff with new tracks, new things, capped it all off with a championship. Uh, I don't think the... The event's going to be great. It's going to be a great event. It's going to be a fun event. I don't think it's going to have the same significance as it did last year, just simply because it's not the inaugural event. I think it's still going to be really cool. I think it's going to be a good race. Uh, Ty Dillon's not going to be out there wrecking everybody in the qualifying races this year, so maybe we'll see some of the guys that deserve to be in the final show that didn't make it actually get to go through this year. So, I mean... It's just a fun event. It's not really something that I think needs to be read too much into. I don't think these guys are going out there. I mean, they're all going to say they are going out there trying to set a tone for overseas, but I don't think, you know, a bad clash is going to really mean anything for anybody in terms of the long-term success of the season. Well, I know I thought it was going to mean just the end of the world for Martin Truex Jr. last year when I made the comment he looked more lost than a kid who lost his parents at a basketball shop and you know, he was he ended up being better throughout the year. Did miss the playoffs just on a crazy situation where we actually got sixteen different winners or fifteen, I guess, because Kurt withdrew, but still just enough to knock him out of a playoff spot. I think, you know, it's gonna be a good you know, it's gonna be good for these guys probably with uh a lot of these changes with some of these drivers, like, you know, the Kyle Bush is the um, Tyler Reddick, so people who have changed teams throughout the year, they you know they need this to kind of get in the swing of things, help you learn your new environment. I'm going to be interested in those guys. Uh, I definitely don't think the clash is going to make or break your season, but it's going to at least tell you if you you need to work on some things before Daytona. Obviously, this track just being what it is, it's it's going to be very hard to take anything you learn here and apply it throughout the rest of the year, but... Outside of Martinsville, really. I don't even know if Martinsville would work for that, but... I, mean, I think they translate a little, I mean, but, like... On gas, hard on the brake. The, the fact that we're grasping out of stroll off Martinsville here, I think, tells you the entire story. Uh, you know, it's just too unique of an event to really take any notes and apply anywhere else, so we're just going to be out there racing for fun. Yeah, you know, and probably a nice check, even though NASCAR doesn't publicize the purses anymore. So I do know Bob did say the total purse, because they do release that, it's like $2 million. So I'm sure there's a there's a decent chunk of change on the table for these teams, and I'm sure they're going to want that. You know, you could roll into Daytona in a couple weeks and you know, brag that, hey, you're the, you're the Clash winner. 
I don't know if it has the same pull as it did when it was at Daytona, where you could kind of have like your opening shot, like, "Hey, it's my week. I'm gonna go after the, you know, the Daytona 500." But you know, I'm I'm sure these guys are gonna go at it, and I think last year too, with it being the first race with the new car, I think people were probably questioning what they can and can't do, and having a year under the belts now with it, uh, I think they're probably gonna race a little bit harder than they did last year. And I hope Justin Haley doesn't get intentionally wrecked for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think Justin Haley probably hopes that too. But that's still one of those moments from last year that I found quite perplexing. And oh, still do. I think Don't Kyle Larson gave us a, a couple of those last year, but we we can't say that. We can't we can't upset his fans. <laughs> can't disparage the uh, cup cup god himself. So no, can cannot. I'm. I'm sure I'm sure Kyle Larson's gonna be a little bit more careful this year, but we won't know until they start racing and uh just before we sign off, obviously very hard to gauge this race, but if you had to pick one guy, who's your favorite for the, the win in the clash? Oh man. Um oh, God, that's so tough. You know what? Let's uh Let's just go Joey back to back. Right in the hand right now. One of the championship. Oh, two, uh, two for two for the 22? Yeah, I mean, why not? There's no other reason to pick anyone else. If we're being really honest. <laughs> here, so. and it's it's all for fun. You, you know who I think is going to win the Clash? Who would that be? I think it's going to be Kyle Busch. You saw Tyler Reddick dominate this race before his car failed on him last year. And who was Joey battling for the win in this race last year at the very end? It was Kyle Busch. So you get yourself in a good car. You have yourself a good driver. I think he's going to be the one to go to victory lane. Kind of like when, you know, Junior took his ride at Hendrick Motorsports. He started off by winning the Clash in 2008. Well, now Kyle's got his old number on the door. He's going to do the same thing. Kyle Busch starting off his return to Chevy, his first race with RCR. In the winner's circle, that's my pick to kick off the season in victory lane. Not an awful pick. Yeah, it's not. And uh, for my sake, I hope it pans out. <laughs> but we'll uh, break down everything from the clash when that race is over and done with on Sunday. And uh, I'm hoping for a good time just like it was last year. Until then, guys, we will catch you out there on the track. And thank you for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to follow us at Bernie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms.